Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who like to use a lot of words yet say nothing at all. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's uh, Wood Talk number 319 for August 8th. And this is what happens when you leave Cremona, <laughs> the job of cutting and pasting the new tabs. He doesn't... He'll read it with on the screen. And then, and then the, yeah, combine <laughs> that with the problem that I just read whatever's in front of me. It's August 8th. <laughs> Aced. Uh, yeah, 2016. <laughs> Good stuff. On today's show, we're talking about ductless mini splits uh, versus PTAC in the shop, cutting accurate miters, sticky poly, and dealing with dank basements. But before we get to that, let's take a moment to thank some of our generous donors. Uh, we've got James, James Brown, probably not the James Brown but A, James Brown, uh, Ben Lowry, and Tom Linton. Thank you so much, guys, for helping us out with the donation. And you could do that, too, if you want. Just go to woodtalkshow.com and look for the donation links in the side column, and you could uh, help us support the show. You know, keep the lights running, keep the record button in view so that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what to hit. That's an inside joke, but uh, it's not, not a very good one either. Uh, but yeah, if you want to help out, we always appreciate the support. So thank you for those that do that. And if you do it, we will mention you at the beginning of the show like we did for those fine folks. And I'd like to hear your name there. So go ahead. Do the donation thing. Really helps out a lot. So uh, what do you say, guys? Let's get to what's on the bench. I'll go first because my name's first. And uh, as I'm, always. I'm talking now, so I may as well continue. Well, and you're the guest host. So we I am the guest, the guest host. Go first. It's just a courtesy is what <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I am uh, I am planning a grandfather clock build that's coming up here pretty soon. And, uh, you know, it's one of those builds where there's a lot going on inside the thing. And if you've never built the thing before, it can, pre- you know, present some challenges. You know, you've never been there. But it's like when I jumped into the rocker build, I had to be crazy to do that. Uh, and that worked out okay. So I'm thinking this will be all right. <laughs> Once oh. I figure it out, everything should be fine, right? No one's questioning your sanity. I don't think so. And the fact so. that we know you're insane. No yeah. one's questioning the fact that you, uh, you know, aren't. I just think it's crazy. People trust me that I'm actually going to pull this off. Um, I guess I haven't failed them yet. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the attitude. Yeah. 
I wish. Yeah, that's you know what? That should be the tagline for the guild now. It's the Woodworth Store Guild. He hasn't failed us yet. <laughs> that's a good selling point, right? <laughs> or or come watch and see if he fails this time. Yeah, it's bound to happen eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, also the other thing I'm enjoying lately is reading all of the fun comments coming in on a vehicle-inspired, or vehicle-sponsored, I should say, uh, build on on my YouTube channel. And uh, I've, I don't think I've ever had a video get so many thumbs down. <laughs> and, you know, we're, I think on Facebook we were talking about this a little bit, like what, what the reasons for that would be. And right off the bat, when you're dealing with cars and trucks <laughs> especially, there's a, there's a thing. There's a thing going on there. And uh, I'm not part of it. I own a truck, but I'm not part of the thing that goes on where people just get into their camps and hate every other camp like and you can't let it go like anyone mentions a brand you got to be like oh la, 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 some machismo comment right uh so that's what like i think a lot of the initial thumbs downs immediately are because it has to do with honda and people some people don't like honda and uh well, so it is what it is so i got a lot of thumbs down could also be the whole fact that it's a sponsored video and people just kind of get annoyed by that stuff but mm, you're um, such a sellout i am i am uh, i'll admit it and uh it is it is what it am and uh, actually, it's actually a pretty cool looking truck. I don't think it's like, you know, if you're really doing a lot of heavy duty hauling and things like that, it's not really the truck for you. It's more of the uh, person who wants that kind of smaller footprint, uh, something that kind of drives like an SUV, but has some of the functionality of a pickup. I think that's the kind of vehicle for you. So, um, you know, all the manly men are having a problem with it, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, but it's fun. It's fun, you know. Any any news is good news, or any uh, attention there is is good, as far as I'm concerned. So, um, had a lot of fun with it. But go read the comments; it's uh, quite entertaining. And there's more. There right? is more. There are more. There's there's more. Was, there is more. Um, We're gonna three, do this again. Yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. Like when I saw this all go down, and I'm like, okay, I got to do this three more times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, as much as we pretend this stuff just uh, rolls off our backs, like these comments mean something to us. And it's you know, I didn't make that truck. Like if you, if you're criticizing the truck, I really shouldn't care, but because the truck is tied to my video, a criticism of the truck feels like a criticism of my video. And it it definitely does. It does not quite roll off my back as gracefully as I'd like it to. (laughs) Oh, well, it's all good. So Matt, what about you? Um, oh, I had a very interesting uh, weekend. So my wife and my, my son were gone for the whole weekend. So I was all alone and I haven't had that experience. A really long time. You, so you just you just very, uh, very, cra- like weird. And you crapped out and for like goofy. five seconds. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, you went away. You got I so excited a- about it. You uh, you just killed your microphone. Say so you like passed out for a second. You were so excited about. Being oh, I was so alone. excited! I passed out. It was it was the best. Okay, so you were home alone. Wife yes. and kid are gone. Continue. It was awesome. It was awesome. Did you set up I booby traps? No, Sorry. I did not home alone. Do that. <laughs> Stop trying to derail this. Seriously, <laughs> let the, let the man talk. <laughs> You say, I, I step all over, Matt? Come on, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was my turn this oh, week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is that what course, you texted yeah. me before the show? <laughs> yes. Uh, please, please repress Matt today. Thank you. Interject <laughs> as much as possible. Please. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're excited. You're home alone. I was home alone, and I haven't, I haven't done that for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. it's like even before we had my son, like, the, the number of times that I was, like, home alone without my wife here, that was, like, minimal, too. So it was very strange to be home alone, and I'm like... I came into the weekend thinking I was going to get so much stuff done. Like, I have all this time. I can do whatever I want. I can get all these things done. Well, I got sidetracked, like, right away the first night, Friday night. I went out to the shop and was going to work on some stuff out there. But then I was like, maybe I'll clean up the shop here a little bit. So I started cleaning up the shop. And then, like, maybe I have all this offcuts and scrap lumber here. 
that I don't really use, and I've been here for a long time, I've been saving them for the perfect project. I'm like, I would rather have the, the wall space, the floor space, and just the less clutter in the shop. Maybe I'll pull it all out of here and give it all, all away for free on Instagram. So I ended up doing that Friday night. I spent the entire night pulling stuff out of my shop, and I spent most of Saturday giving it all away. Nice. But it was a fun, it was like, Instead of being like a productive weekend, it was productive in the sense that I got to interact and meet a lot of amazing people that came by and pick up some stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I guess, very called relationship building weekend. That's pretty cool, you know. And here's a, a stark difference between old Matt and new Matt. Now, the same story coming from old Matt would have been he went to the shop with the best intentions of doing something, but that somehow wound up on the couch. <laughs> and he watched, you know, two or three Netflix series and binge watched like that would have been Matt's weekend. But new Matt, you know, his version of like not getting anything done is community outreach. <laughs> That's, there's a stark difference there. Uh, when you put it that way, it makes it makes old Matt sound like a real jerk. <laughs> but That's why he we would like never old, do community outreach. We like old Matt for that reason. He knows that we love him because he would have had a couch story. Um, anyway, that's pretty cool. That was though. his own community outreach. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> He'd watch PBS, and, and that would be him doing his part. <laughs> oh, I miss Matt so much. Anyway, uh, well, that's cool. So, did you like clean out a lot of space? Get some space back with all that? Yeah. So here's the the ridiculous part of this thing is on Saturday morning, the first person to show up brought a trailer. He filled the entire trailer. Whoa! I was like, my trailer's full. I should probably just this is probably good enough. I'm sure you have other people coming. He barely took like a third of it. And I was like, how much stuff did I have in the back corner of my shop that someone can come by and pick up an entire trailer load of wood? Yeah, really. And there's still stuff sitting here. Damn. That's crazy, man. What the heck? I'm like, that's why I knew I was a hoarder. Yep. (laughs) Right there. You have a problem, sir. (laughs) The other thing I wanted to mention, because it's kind of applicable to wood talk, I guess, is that I got rid of my plywood cart. I, I built that thing when I first moved into the shop, mm-hmm. and like that was like back in the day where I would keep everything because I didn't have a whole lot of money back then. I was like, I spent mo- this amount of money. This is worth this amount of money. It's like quarter sheet of plywood is worth X amount of dollars or whatever, and these little tiny pieces are worth X amount of dollars. I kept everything. So my old shop, I moved all the stuff to my new shop. I built a plywood cart for it, and it sat in that plywood cart, and that was five years ago, and I have not touched it. Oh, and man. I'm to that point where I'm like, I just... I don't want to look at it anymore. I just want just like I want to be able to see the walls, see the floor a little bit sure. and like keep like maybe like the bigger pieces and the rest of it I'll get rid of. So I gave away the plywood cart too. No, no <laughs> kidding. Nice. Yeah. So does this like the same rule that applies? I know my wife when she cleans out her closet has a particular rule like if I haven't worn it in X number of years, it should be donated. <laughs> that feels like we should have a similar rule in our shops. Do you think? Yeah. For for me, yeah. I, I was keeping all these things like Normally, I just cut off my cut my offcuts into cutting boards and just deal with it that way. But these were like the pieces of wood that I was like, this could become something. I don't know. I want to call it better than a cutting board, or you know, whatever. Um, I'm just to the point where I'm not going to do anything with them, and I'd rather them go to someone else that's going to do something with them. Yeah. And like, if someone's just like just starting to get into woodworking, they haven't used hardwoods before. They've only been using pine, or they want to try a different kind of wood. This is the perfect opportunity for them to come and use this stuff that I am probably never going to use. And if I need a piece of maple, I'll just go to the shed and get a piece of maple. You know, I've got a whole yeah. shed full of wood. I don't need to have a three-foot section of maple that's not going to do anything just cluttering up my shop. Well, the trick is because of, like, what you do, the nature of what you do and your throughput, 
there will be more scraps to replace those scraps oh, yeah. with the oh. next project, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. so like handing it off to someone else and letting them do something with it is smart because you're, that pile is only going to get bigger and bigger. I have to keep smacking it down like twice a year because yeah. it just overwhelms my shop. And I only have like, it's really interesting to see the transition in my own mind of how I treat my shop from when before I was a content producer to now. Mm-hmm. So before I was a content producer, it doesn't really, didn't really matter to me what my shop looked like, if it was cluttered, and it didn't matter how much, like how little the aisles were in there because I'm small enough, as long as I can walk around, it doesn't really make a difference to me. But now that I'm pulling a camera around and lights and I'm showing off my shop and I kind of want it to be a little less like messy and ridiculous looking, like I this. have this like, Totally a little less like the show hoarders, in other words. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like <laughs> no dead cats people, under the under things and uh, it's piles like you of newspaper keep from at, 1960. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like I know I want to keep people's attention on what's going on in the frame and not like have their minds wandering around in the background. Like, what is all this stuff back here? And instead <laughs> of paying attention to what's actually going on on screen because you know that happens right oh like, i do that. how many times how many times have you either read a comment or received a comment where it'll be like you're talking here i am talking about sawing technique and somebody's like hey is that a such and such <laughs> you know dremel in the background obviously not my shop to say that but <laughs> of course still, not, sir. Be how like, dare you totally unrelated and like and suddenly the comment stream veers off into a discussion about whatever you know x was in the background of your shop for five seconds you yeah, know totally <laughs> We all do it. <laughs> That's good, though. It sounds like overall, I mean, it's going to make your shop a little bit cleaner, a little safer. Yeah, I have a lot more room. That's all back by my table saw. So now I actually have room to like feed stuff in, like bigger stuff, mm-hmm. which isn't normally most, much of a problem because I don't do stuff that's really big or wide, like sheet good work or anything. Right. So it's not too big of a deal, but at least I have more room back there. And, you know, you can, I can see the wall now and thinking nice. like maybe I could put like a little storage cabinet up there and up some more clutter that way so it kind of leads to the next thing which is no it's good it looks less ridiculous you know i think that's one of like the the least talked about or underrated aspects of a shop is elbow room there's just something to be said about having just a little bit of room to breathe you know and and i don't know when things are really packed in and cluttered i think sometimes it's not conducive to like not only certainly not efficient work but just like relaxed work (laughs) because <laughs> you end up, I don't know. It's those that towering stack of newspapers from 1960 that makes you uptight, you know? Yeah, it's always like I'm bumping into something or it's just in the way a little bit and I'm like scooting things around. Like, let me put this over here and then oh, I'm over where that is now. So I got to put it back to where it's before. And then it's like back and forth, back and forth with this, whatever it is. It's always in my way because there's no home. There's no room to put it anywhere. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I, I rate my shop by how many cartwheels I could do between the tools, <laughs> generally speaking. Nice. <laughs> Not for need long, to come though. Here and do cartwheels in my shop. That could be very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Well, good stuff, man. So, what's, what did shop. that? What did that wind up leading to? What do you mean? You said you said that that all led led to something else. I thought that was oh, leading to that. like I have more room for storage. So it all kind of leads to like something else. So now that I have, I don't have wood leaning against my wall. I could put like a little storage cabinet there. Or oh, okay. You can, you can you can kind of take. You're taking that space away from clutter and you can put it towards something that can even eliminate clutter from the rest of the shop, like yeah. a piece of, you know, shop furniture, wall hanging cabinet yeah, or whatever. Organizational. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. And then the other thing that's going on this week is uh, I got all the steel for my bandsaw mill. Ooh. So that's, uh, that's coming along. That, thing, that stuff's heavy, by the way. Steel is heavy. Yeah, that's why <laughs> I like wood. Metal's, metal's too heavy for my little muscles. Metal's really heavy. And it's funny because, like, 
I never thought about how much steel costs until I ordered this stuff. We have it easy as woodworkers. Yeah. <laughs> steel is not cheap. Like at all. Mm. Like this the steel for just the track of my band thumbnail, two thousand dollars. Oh, hello. Right there. Like that's I don't know how many board feet that is, but that's, that's a lot, a lot of, money of a bingo. Per foot, you know? <laughs> you can buy a lot of bingo for two grand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Jeez. That's so good to hear. <laughs> no, it's just I, I hear all day long about how expensive hardwood has become. It's just nice to hear. Well, that. now that's your line. You'd be like, "Well, you should try buying some steel." <laughs> right, that'll be it. <laughs> hey, call this guy steel. and get back to me, mm-hmm. Matt. I'm going to start sending phone calls your way. Nice. I'll tell him to buy stainless. It's even more expensive. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I guess you're building your bandsaw yeah. mill out of Damascus steel. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. I just like good. the look, you know. That, that's going to be the whole new trend. Like we've gone that way with like woodworking tools by adding, you know, <clears throat> black wood inlaid, you know, um, smoothers and things like that with. So now, now like metal projects are going to go that way and you're going to start building normal, like everyday shop tools out of Damascus and stainless. And, you know, they're going to truly pimp it out and add the bling to the, the metal projects. Let's do it's it. coming. It's probably already there and I just haven't noticed it yet. Artisanal. I mean, it's got to be yeah, there. Eventually. <laughs> Artisanal <laughs> steels, all the finest yeah, gr- totally. gourmet steels. No, oh, nothing but the best. Delicious. Nice. You know, I want to take a, a tip out of like um, some of the commercial and industrial shops and like some of the sheds and stuff. We have the lumber yard where there's always some sort of hole in like the back wall where you can just throw stuff. You know, like we have we have our stacker where when the lumber first comes into the yard, it, it gets it's all dead stacked. It doesn't have stickers in between it, mm-hmm. and uh, or in some cases it has stickers, but they're really cheap stickers that we don't want to use in our own kiln because of stain and stuff like that. So the lumber actually gets dumped and spread out into a single layer on a conveyor <laughs> belt, and then we put sticks in between and restack and sticker it. And the old stuff gets just thrown out the hole in the wall. <laughs> and I mean, what you don't see is there's like a little like um, roller uh, ramp out there that dumps down into a dumpster. But still, just wouldn't oh. that be cool? It's kind of like Mark and his dust collection yeah. that just like vents outside. <laughs> like, where does it go? I, I don't, don't care. Know. It, just, it goes out of my shop. That's all I know. <laughs> so then what you could do, Matt, is instead of saying, hey, I'm giving stuff away on Instagram, come by the shop, just say, come by the back of the shop. There'll be a pile out there. <laughs> There's a pile. Just grab what you want and go. No, that's a good idea. I like that. It's like a garbage chute. That's great. Well, if anyone's listening, I still have stuff out there. If anybody wants any more stuff. Cool. Good I mean, Mark know. already has a hole in the wall. And, yeah. you know, that, yeah, turn probably the fan the, down on low the, so you can time it and get it through the blade. Well, yeah, the new the new buyer probably is, is going to turn this into a living space. So we're going to need to probably take that fan out of the wall and patch it up. I can at least, you know, for a little while, have a nice hole and chuck some crap out of. Yeah, you can take I the fan. Know. Maybe they want to make a kiln out of it. It'd be kind of fun. Mm, who knows? All right, Shannon, what do you got going on? Um, I am uh, I'm building a workbench. What? Yeah, because oh. I need one. Like, I need a hole in the head. What? No, actually, I, I do. Um, I'm going to be heading up to my in-laws place in Maine next week. Well, technically Friday night of this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, uh, I do not have a workbench in that little uh, garage shop thing I've been using up there. So nice. I've been getting, what, the, the Hinchel School is now almost six years old. So for about seven years, I've been told, you should build a workbench. You should build a workbench. I'm like, I built a Rubo. It's on my blog. Like, no, no, you should build a Nicholson workbench or a Moravian workbench or a naked woodworker workbench or insert your favorite 21st century workbench, knockdown workbench, all those different things. I've been told to build one. And I'm like, well, you know, that sounds like a great idea, but I don't have the space to build a workbench. Yeah, what would you do with it? 
well, what would I do? <laughs> well, you can give it away. It's like, well, yeah, okay. I'd, and I'd be happy to give it away to somebody, like run some sort of giveaway, whatever. But I still got to find a place to put it, you know? <laughs> and I got to find a place to build it. And building that queen-size bed in my shop was a challenge enough, you mm-hmm. know? And that actually got built on the bench. So, you know, and then there's a whole idea of what if you're going to build a bench, you know, don't build a bench on top of a bench you already have because then people are like, well, what if I don't have a bench? How yeah. do I build a How bench am I supposed without to do a that? bench? So, you know, so then it's like, <laughs> yep. you know, I need an empty space to do this. And then it occurred to me, I have an empty two-car garage space sitting up in Maine that I could do this for. And after building that dining table up there on like a rickety little plywood table <laughs> yeah. um, and a sawhorse, not sawhorses, a sawhorse, just one. Um, it made things, you know, it showed that you don't need a workbench to build stuff, but boy, it would be nice to have some sort of surface. So here I am uh, gathering lumber um, to, to, to build something while I'm up there. And it should be fun because the whole idea is to make it as, you know, um, newbie friendly as possible. Yeah. So I'm using my share of, of nuts and bolts to kind of pull some stuff together, but I am going to throw in some traditional joinery. So again, it's the same situation of I'm going to be building something and it's going to be, you know, hundreds of miles away, uh, which by the way, this has uh, supplanted the whole idea of building teak deck chairs as much as I wanted to do that this year. Um, <laughs> oh, that's I right. Did, yeah. You mentioned that. Well, it, it did occur to me that would be hard to build without some kind of bench Sure. because now there's shaping and stuff going on with that. So I was like the better part of valor was to actually set up the shop a little bit better. Um, so that's what's happening. And it was just funny cause I'm going through the list of stuff that I need. And like every time I go through like the build process in my head, I feel like, well, the Olympics are on, right? I feel like one of the Olympic like gymnasts where you see them like pantomiming their motions like off to the side, <laughs> doing the same thing, like going through my mind of how I'm going to build this and what cuts I need to make. And every time I do it, it's like, oh, right. If I'm going to use bolts, I probably should bring a socket wrench. You know, the stuff that you don't think about because, you know, there's a toolbox in my shop with screwdrivers and crescent wrenches and stuff in it. But I would have never thought to have brought a crescent wrench with me, you sure, know, right. What about my saw, my jack plane, you know, the, the, the woodworking tools that I'd be sitting there with a, you know, a bunch of bolts to screw in the front apron and not have any way to do it. <laughs> so then, I, you know, certainly you can go, there's a hardware store in town, but it is a, you know, old timey hardware store where I'd end up paying three times as much for a crescent wrench as I would at a Home Depot. But the nearest Home Depot is like two hours away. Oh, so it really, it really isn't an easy solution. So the stuff I forgot to bring is the stuff that's actually technically the easiest to get. Like you can just go to any big box store and buy a crescent wrench or a hardware store and buy a crescent wrench. But, you know, unless you go to a place like an island in Maine where it's <laughs> two hours away for stuff like that. So, right. you know, it does it does bring to mind because I, I hear from people all over the world and in like, you know, really rural spots are like, yeah, it's nice that you can run to a lumber yard or it's nice that you can run over and pick up that tool somewhere. And, you know, I complain because I don't have a woodcraft or a rockler nearby and there's people out there that don't have you know, a place to go buy a crescent wrench within three hours. So, you know, it's, it's good to, to be put in my place for once. And <laughs> it's all relative. You can't just go down the street and pick up a tool or whatever. Sure. So anyway, it's, it's fun. Cause I haven't, um, built a, a full blown workbench in a while and people love them, good. dude. It's going to yeah. go over well. I'm sure you just, you keep thinking that it's not, that it's going to eventually run its course. Right. I mean, we've been, the woodworking world's been workbench happy since Christopher Shores kind of <laughs> brought out that blue book, the first workbenches book, which was what? 2007? A while eight? ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted there's, 
there were certainly workbenches before then, but that was kind of the the revival that got people talking about all these big manly benches, the Rubos and the Nicholsons and stuff. And man, all the time I hear about, you should build a bench. We want to see you build a bench. It's like, yeah, but hasn't everybody built a bench? No, but I want to see you build a bench. I'm not <laughs> like, going to do it any differently. <laughs> yeah, look, Schwarz is no dummy. There's a reason why that's what he talks about a lot and often and frequently and over and over because it makes him a lot of money. Quite frankly, I mean, I'm sure he also likes it, but you know, he's also <laughs> trying to make a living. So, <laughs> well, cool, man. I can't wait to see it come together. But uh, other than that, um, I, I, I put in the notes here. I've been having fun armchair woodworking. Um, my um, my apprenticeship program has exploded. Um, there are many, 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 many people in it now. Over the last kind of little weekend sales campaign push. And I got to say, it is it's so much fun because there's I'm basically just sitting back and, and doling out advice from my armchair as people <laughs> have run into issues and problems. Are and, you sitting there with like a, a little thing of brandy or something Yeah, with a smoking jacket on? So this is this is what it's like, I, I think, to for the people that sit and watch YouTube videos all day long and just comment on how you should do this. And <laughs> yeah. you start all our sentences with you should. Right, right. That's, that's, that's what I'm turning into now, except the people are actually paying me for me to turn around and say, you should do this. Actually, this is the why didn't you? That's the that's yeah. my favorite. Yeah, why YouTube. didn't you? Yeah, way to start no, a YouTube comment. Seriously, it's it's way fun because it's just there's suddenly this like huge community of people all very, very excited about hand tool woodworking and talking to each other and helping each other and asking questions and answering questions. And cool. it's exciting. Very nice. I'm where, excited. Where do tell. people go to uh, to learn more about that since we're talking about it? Uh, just hand tool school dot net. Right on the home right page. On the front page. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. But says apprenticeship, but there's also other stuff there. Cool. All right. Commercial well, wasn't my intention. It's okay. It's okay. But heck, it's our show, right? That's I guess right. we can commercialize our own stuff. We should. We don't very Go much, for it. but we should. Uh, all right, let's get into what's new. And uh, first thing I have here, not really something specific I'm going to direct you to, but just kind of something I wanted to talk about. It's been on my mind. <laughs> oh, you um, put this in here. I did, oh, but I'm not going to go good. into specifics. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> throw anybody under the bus. Uh, but I've noticed recently there's this sort of rash of uh, – table saw near misses that I've been seeing show up in my Facebook feed and they're, they're intended to be PSAs. Um, but the problem is there isn't a whole lot of PS in the ray. You get that? You get what I'm saying? <laughs> get what I'm laying down? Uh, the thing is they're saying like, look at this near miss. Isn't it good that I did this thing? And either that's like not really the big problem that I see in the video or what they did as a prov- you know precautionary measure with whatever safety device or safety technique they're using is the wrong one to use. And it's, uh, it's one of those things like, I don't, I don't like to be the safety police. I think that people like that drive me nuts, but there's a, a point where I start to see the comments and no one is seeing what is fundamentally wrong with this. And I'm not even like being really picky. I'm just talking about people with a lot of experience at a table saw who've experienced a kickback and understand what will cause it. And they know sort of the physics and dynamics of that tool would look at this and immediately see what's wrong with this picture. And if you were an instructor training someone how to use that saw, you would immediately correct them on that. And and I don't see that happening in these videos and it makes me nervous. And I, I hate to be that guy. So I tend to keep my mouth shut. And I know some people will probably say, well, Mark, you probably should say something it's for it's in everyone's best interest that you do uh but have you ever stuck your neck out like that in an online <laughs> environment to be the one guy who's like oh well actually you should have done this blah 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 or you know we're just making jokes about youtube comments why didn't you do this 
it, it's one of those things that makes me very uncomfortable. So I don't know. I just wanted to bring this up because it is bugging me that so many folks are out there really sort of cav- sort of in a cavalier fashion using the table saw. And it's like, that is the one tool, man, in the shop. That is the one tool. If you're going to respect any of them, you have to respect that table saw because it will, it'll take you out like in a second, in a half a second. And it just, I don't know. It makes me nervous. It makes me feel like I need to make a video, you know, specifically about table saw safety, just to say that I've done my part to, to help with this. So I think people would like that. And I guess at this point, after all the safety week stuff that we've done over the years, and I I just feel like I may have over, you know, overdone my whole safety spiel. But if if people want it and can use it, I may as well do something with it because it's really starting to bug me. Well, I mean, we have to think about the pace with which things renew on the Internet about every five minutes. Yeah. 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 Why not? I mean, stuff from from a year ago is it just doesn't even show up anymore i mean it's it's not just youtube it's everywhere on the internet i mean that's how the google algorithm actually works now um so it's yeah it's worth it's worth a shot i mean i've been reminded i've had questions asked non-safety questions some safety questions and i'm like well it it did a video on that or like you know this guy did a video and this guy did a video and this guy did a video and people like i never saw that and it it shocks me because there's some real marquee content out there at least what i consider to be marquee content about certain topics and people like have never seen it or never heard of it it's just like when the um the whole like expanding sunburst table thing pops up again mm-hmm. you know it's <laughs> oh, like oh yeah. look at this cool table or the one that walks when you push it it's like oh my god you know it's, yeah that's been around for like 12 years yep you know but it just it, it, it well that's a bad example because that stuff resurfaces but the stuff disappears right so i suppose your safety stuff safety week will resurface Hopefully the whole safety dance videos series that I did will (laughs) never resurface. (laughs) Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's just hope that stays buried in the internet archives. Well, generally speaking though, safety videos don't really, they're not sexy. You know, there's no reason for them to come around again. Like very few people seek out. There's your mission right there. Right. The only way, the only way a safety video is going to get attention and, and be viewed like in the future as well as if it's like, how not to lose your finger at the saw, you know, like, like to, to give it some kind of name that makes people think they're going to see something graphic, you know, and, and I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> it's like, I would have to do an approach to it that wouldn't make it just super boring. It's like, look, these are real things that can happen. I'm not going to show them happening because I don't want to lose, you know, I don't want to get a piece of wood in my jugular vein, but, uh, you know, this is what you should not do with this saw. So I don't know. I'm thinking about it, but just be careful people little, here's my PSA. Be careful. Put that put that wig on. I think people will like that. Do the yeah. whole thing with a wig on? <laughs> yeah. That'll make it sexy. Or a, yeah, a, a wig go. and a nightgown? How about that? <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing sexy to safety. How about that? <laughs> Just make sure you shave first. Use a Harry's razor, in fact. I probably should. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll talk about them in a little bit. Man, I missed my cue. <laughs> Almost. You're just a little bit early. <laughs> I'm, I'm early. I'm always early. <laughs> just a little too early there. Premature uh, ad break. Yeah. All right. Who's got this uh, longbow deal? I don't know. I don't know where we are. I watched this. I can talk about it. Uh, Brian (laughs) sent this in. It's uh, one of those fun, artsy Vimeo woodworking videos, Mm. but uh, very cool. I mean, this guy basically goes from tree to like cool English. I guess it's an English longbow. I don't know enough about medieval weaponry or even if it's technically considered medieval weaponry, but it's cool. Nice. The longbow. And it's really interesting to see how he makes it and really well produced. And it's a fun, uh, I think it's about a 15 minute video. It's definitely worth a watch. Sounds good. Sit back with your snifter of brandy and watch mm, it. Yes, armchair woodwork like Shannon does. Yeah. 
sit yeah. back and watch this while running your table saw. <laughs> I mean, not while running. Your yeah, with one hand, please. Yes. Cool. All right, let's get into our kickback. Uh, this is where you give us some feedback on things we talked Speaking about. Speaking of table saw accidents. Yes, kickback is oh. the, the name of the segment. Perfect. I get it now. Yeah, see? <laughs> Making connections here. Uh, all right, so we got a voicemail kickback here from Mark. Not me, someone, other Mark. Hi, guys. This is Mark from Fort Collins, Colorado. And I was just listening to your latest uh, wood talk. And I don't remember the number, but the gentleman that messed up his uh, top to his workbench, the first thought that went through my mind was, well, I guess you picked out where the vice is going to go. <laughs> Good luck, guys. Love your show. And look forward to, to Mark moving up here. That, that's a good point. If it's in the right spot, put your vice there and uh, boom, you'll, you'll have it nice and covered up. That's cool. Uh, yeah. You know what? I hope I, I hope everything works out and I get up there. Fort Collins is a little bit North of where we're looking at, but close enough. Very cool. Uh, all right. So I think we should probably talk it's about just our a party school up there. Is there uh, a little, little, little interstate rivalry joke there? Any of the Fort Collins people listening? Yeah, you'll get it from the Boulder kid. Nice. That that sounds great. Um, <laughs> that's nice. That's that's, that's nice. lost on me. That is so nice to hear. <laughs> All the Colorado listeners out there, I'm talking to you. They're like, "Ooh, I get it." All right. Uh, so let's talk about our friends over at Harry's. Uh, you know, it's no secret, guys, that most companies will raise their prices when they introduce new products, or if they you know make an improvement over old products. Right? Here's a good example. Shannon introduces an apprenticeship program, and what's he do? He charges for it, and then. He, he charges more for it a couple of weeks later, right? A month later, charges, raises the price. Okay. Although, technically, I reduced the price for the introductory rate. Okay, fair enough. But the price eventually went up. <laughs> Marketing uh, So, you know, same thing in the guild, right? We added a fourth project. I incorporated Cremona. What do I do? I charge more for it, like some kind of jerk, right? But you know who doesn't do that? Do you know? Do you know? Harry's I'm doesn't do it's that. Harry's. Harry's does not do that. Right? They don't believe in upcharging. Uh, they just made a bunch of improvements on their razors, and they are keeping their prices exactly the same, unlike Shannon. Still, just $2 per blade compared to $4 or more that you'll pay at the drugstore. Harry's five-blade razors now include a softer flex hinge for a more comfortable glide, a trimmer blade for hard-to-reach places, a lubricating strip, and a textured handle for more control when it's wet. Now, here's an amazing deal for you guys. Uh, Harry's starter set includes a weighted razor handle of your choice, moisturizing shave cream, three precision-engineered five-blade cartridges, and a travel cover, all for just 15 bucks. And for a limited time only, there's a special offer for fans of the show where you can get it for less. We've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your first purchase with promo code WOODTALK, of course. Uh, go to harrys.com right now and enter the code WOODTALK at checkout to claim your offer. That's harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, promo code WOODTALK, and go shave your face. That should be their, that should be their uh, slogan for now, shave your face. Shave your face. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Shave, shave it. You're welcome, Harry's. I did. I made that up for you. Uh, all right, a couple more voicemails we can get to here. These are not kickbacks. They are questions for the most part. Well, except for this one. This is good. <laughs> hey, this is Zachary Hansen. Just giving you guys a call. Wanted to see if there were any voicemails for me. Um, I really appreciate it. You could forward them to me. We need to send that guy a Wood Talk t-shirt just for that. That was awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, so, Zachary, we'll, uh, we'll try to forward those voicemails to you. I know it's clearly important. It's a financial issue. We, but we don't, I mean, we don't listen to them because it tells us not to. So, 
we don't know what it's about. Uh, all right. Next one here is from Vinny in, in uh, Atlanta. Hey, boys. This is Vinny in Atlanta. Hope you're all doing good. Hey, so here's my uh, interesting bittersweet predicament. Um, you know, they have those home shows where they're going to, uh, you know, sell their house. So they spend 10 grand to update the bathroom, and then that gives them another, I don't know, 15 or 20 grand when they sell it. So my wife wants to do that with the uh, the master bathroom, so I said, fine, uh, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do it with the wood shop. Uh, realistically, my basement is unfinished. I've got a shop in uh, one big section of it. And, uh, you know, when we finally get around to doing an open house in, I don't know, a year, year and a half, um, it's going to be just a big unfinished basement with shop furniture. There's no version of this where my shop furniture is, or where my, uh, where my shop equipment is not there during the open house. So... The deal I made was fine. Well, then I get to turn it into a somewhat of a dream shop. That way, if people at least see it, um, you know, it looks like something that's finished. And, you know, whether or not they're going to rip it out, that's fine. But anywho, so what I'm doing is probably putting some of that T-111, I think it is, on the walls, et cetera. But it's kind of all that aside. Uh, so I, I apologize. It's gone on too long. Um, has anyone ever been in the situation or predicament of uh, pretty much making a shop look really nice because they're moving? Anyway, guys, sorry I went on for so long. See ya. I love you, Shannon. Bye-bye. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Vinny loves Shannon. You guys sitting <laughs> in the tree. Wow. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. That was awkward. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I know somebody who's moving pretty soon. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, and you didn't stage your shop. I saw that video. <laughs> you know what? They came here, and after we did everything in the house, right, and it took us days to, to just get the house prepared for photographs. Um, to sort of declutter and make it look like we don't actually live there, kind of make it look like a hotel, you know, which is, I guess, how you sell a house. So we did all that stuff. And when that was done, I was like, what about the shop? And I was just thinking, look, the shop is a shop. And if, you know, I will make sure that there's a path that they can walk through to get to the back and then walk back forward. And like the guy came to do the pictures. I said, look, less is more, right? When, when it comes to the shop, I don't want people looking all around the place. Like, yeah, there's a big, Big giant shop there. If you're that interested, come look at it. Um, so I, I went with the less is more approach, and I have not cleaned my shop. It's you know ultimately I don't let my shop get too dirty to begin with, but there is no way I would invest time, effort, and or money into making my shop look better for sale. And part of my logic with that is the chances of someone moving in and actually using it for a shop are actually pretty slim. And you know as as sort of evidence to that. The situation I'm dealing with now, the person who we are in contract with on the house, uh, which actually happened pretty quickly, they plan to turn this into some sort of a living space, right? And I know a lot of people are like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, it's almost as bad as a knitter buying the shop and using it. <laughs> almost. Almost Not as quite. bad. Actually, uh, I think that would be really funny to just see like you know, a knitter in like an easy chair with like a, a floor lamp and yeah. like a, you know, a basket full of yarn sitting exactly in the middle of that space. Yeah, or worse, <laughs> Not, yeah. Nothing else around. Them. Right. And filming a podcast. <laughs> Welcome to uh, this week in knitting. Uh, today, we're going to make a little baby's bonnet. And uh, yeah, so the, the, flags. The, the funny thing is, I think the, the guy who's buying a place, I think he's going to convert it to a space for his mom. So there could very well be a knitter in this space. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, the point is you, you kind of, don't know what they're going to use the space for. So putting too much investment in there to make it look like a dream shop, especially now that you're leaving is a little bit of a punch in the, you know, what's the, the jubblies. And, uh, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it well, at all. I would my do my best. Did something. 
Go ahead. Similar, not a shop, but he did uh, a home entertainment room, like a theater room. See, but that's different. With, <clears throat> but he built it, sold the house. Like uh-huh. I think he managed to watch one movie in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Sold the house, and the new owner ripped it all out and turned it into a yoga studio. <laughs> oh, see, that's the thing. Like you don't know what people are going to do. So I think. To me, the best thing you could do with that space is to de-Shopify it, if you can. I realize he said his, his tools can't leave, but you want to take them to the path to where they might go with that space with the least distance possible, right? So if they have to think about all of this, you know, whatever it is, T111 or whatever that crap is called, they're going to have to rip all that off the walls because they don't want it, or they're going to have to take, you know, all of this other things off the walls and, like, try to strip it down as much as possible. Don't add to it. I, I think it's too narrow-focused, um, especially if you're trying to sell the place. So that that's my opinion. I mean, would you guys even think about doing something like that for your shop? No. Mm, well, I mean, there is the whole thing where it's, like, super popular to, like, repurpose old woodworking stuff. So you could turn your workbench <laughs> into, like, a wet bar. There you go. You know, maybe a plant stand with, like, a little live potting soil thing in there. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, turn your table saw into into some sort of, like, serving surface. Like a barista yeah. station or something, you know. Makes yeah, there cappuccino. you go. You, so you get that kind of, like, industrial chic looking thing yes. going on. Yes. That would sell, man. I bet you that would sell. You get a bunch <laughs> of hipsters in there. And right. They're tight jeans and weird My heart hats. Hurts. Uh. It hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> Killing me over here. What was, so, okay, so you just cleaned out your shop recently, Matt. What What would you do if you guys were selling your house? Anything? My shop is a garage, okay. so I guess yeah. what would I do to it? I don't know. Clean it so it doesn't look like it's just a disaster. Yeah. And um, to make it, well, to sell it, I don't have since it's not a a space where I can park a vehicle. I don't have it. Um, uh, what's it called? Sealed off, I guess, mm-hmm. so that fumes can't enter the home. So I would have to uh, drywall and tape all the ceiling. Oh, That's really okay. it. I think. Yeah. All right. Just to make it a little more like this is actually a garage you could use <laughs> instead of this has to be a shop because you can't actually park a car in here. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, when I did my remodel, I kind of kept that in mind. I mean, my mom's a real estate agent, so she's always all right. Sure. You don't affect the resale value. Right. Um, <laughs> she sounds just like that. You've talked to her, Mark. Right, yeah, she, she did. She's like, ah, oh, how you doing, Mark? How's it going? <laughs> but, like, oh, wow, you, know, you don't so sound anything the, like I thought you would. <laughs> the, the key was that whatever <laughs> I did, it didn't kind of you could still like go you could still use it as a garage later and frankly yeah. if you know i move my workbench out of there and everything there's it's just a nice looking garage with sure. you know, maple plywood on the walls and that that's the only change so i but yeah you're right trying to make it so specific a shop that would appeal to a very very specific customer yeah but yeah most and people are thinking what can i do to rip this out and start over yeah you're you're actually potentially making more work for them and i think the home theater idea is kind of that's even a risk you know like if uh, not everybody wants that home theater would want to use that space for a home theater um but if you're going to make it look like a home theater make it look like a nice one at least um you know the funny thing is i don't know if you guys remember but i in, when i had this place built I was thinking about resale value and I thought, well, look, I don't know what someone's going to want. Chances are it's not going to be a woodworker. Chances are it's going to be a car person who's going to want Mm -hmm. to put a garage door here. So there is a header installed in the front. They could take the double doors out, put a garage door in. There's no electrical work involved. Uh, I made sure I kept all the electrical out of that wall and they could very easily convert this to a garage space. But what do I get? Somebody who wants to turn it into a living space, uh, which, you know, is a testament to the construction quality. I mean, this place was built 
to, you know, residential standards in terms of insulation and, uh, you know, soundproofing and all the stuff that we did in here. So yeah, interesting stuff. But uh, back to, you know, his question, I, I maybe just my opinion, not a professional in real estate, I don't think you should do anything to it, just clean it up, simplify as much as possible, and try to make it look like, you know, as vanilla as you can, so they can turn that space into whatever they want it to be. Um, focus on doing that kind of stuff in your house, you know, just to get the best gains possible. Cool. All right. Next question here is from Chris and he's got some sticky poly. Hey guys, this is uh, Chris from Jackson, South Carolina, where it's crazy hot and raining all the time. Anyway, um, me and my dad made uh, solid wood stave drums and I'm trying to figure out, we're having an issue. We put some poly on some exotic wood and it stays sticky and never cures. And I saw something about reactive finish. Uh, our reactive finishes, rather. And I wanted to know if that is an issue you come across and if there's a way to remedy it. Um, I'm guessing Mark would say put the wax shellac underneath and then top coat with poly. But either way, um, love the show, and hopefully this helps me and all the other people. But, um, okay, bye. I'm still trying to figure out why Chris called. <laughs> Did he not answer his question <laughs> at the very end there? <laughs> I just like to sign up. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Uh, so what Chris is talking about is exotic woods tend to have trouble if you apply an oil-based poly on them. Uh, it seems the you know natural oils in the wood are preventing that, that finish from curing properly. It's just kind of a classic woodworking finishing problem. And one of the classic ways to remedy it is to put de-wax shellac on the surface. You seal off that uh, oily, you know, p- potentially resinous wood, seal that stuff in, and then you could build your coats on top of that. And that's kind of the classic solution. There might be other things you could try, like wiping the surface down with uh, denatured alcohol or, you know, maybe using something that's not oil-based, like a lacquer, um, or just build up with shellac if you want to. All those things will work, but, you know, that's there's really no other way around it that I'm aware of. Do you guys know of any tricks beyond that? No, that's nope. what I do. Just use cherry? <laughs> instead <laughs> use domestics <laughs> yeah stick with domestics so that's really about all there is chris um and for anyone else i just kind of wanted to, to talk about it a little bit because i think we haven't really talked about that in a while so it's good for for people to hear that but i think chris answered his own question there which we appreciate so hey if you want to leave a voicemail uh for us you can do that on skype our username is wood talk online and you can call us at 623-242-5180 and we will do our best to answer your questions All right, let's move into our emails here. First one I've got is from Matt. He says, hey, guys, looking to add air conditioning to a shop. It's around 24 by 24. We live in West Virginia. It's very humid during the summer. Most of the outside walls are insulated. Trying to decide between a PTAC and a mini split would like to hear what your thoughts are. So I do have some thoughts on this. Um, You know, I've got a mini split set up here in the shop. So I've got a lot of experience, like personal experience with that over the last uh, few years, three years, something like that. And uh, I can tell you from firsthand experience, they're awesome. Mini splits are great. Um, but I wasn't really all that familiar with PTAC, that's Packaged Thermal Air Conditioner. So I did have to do a little bit of research to find out. But it almost, you know, just to kind of give you the end of the story here, almost across the board, every HVAC forum I went to says, without a doubt, Mini Split has it, you know, the advantage over PTAC. So if you're not familiar, PTAC, you ever stay at a, a motel? hotel situation there's that big giant box Mm -hmm. air conditioner thing through the wall under the window Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. what that is all right so it's basically like a giant wall air conditioner 
And, you know, if you're evaluating this on all the different things, cost, installation, difficulty, stuff like that, um, in almost every category, the mini split is going to come out on top. Um, so the PTAC, it is self-contained. That's kind of nice. It's like a one single unit, uh, but you do have to mount that thing in the wall, which is going to be a substantial undertaking. Uh, ductless mini split, you've got the compressor unit outside the house. Uh, and the indoor unit is on a wall up toward the ceiling, right? And it's a fairly small unit that kind of blends in quite nicely uh, near the ceiling. And that contains the fan that's going to blow all the cool air. Um, you have a couple refrigerant lines that need to go between the units. And you might have a drain or something that you would have to install to allow it to drain all the moisture out. Um, the electricity to the indoor unit is supplied from the outdoor unit. So there's really no need for electrical hookups on the interior. That's all on the exterior of the space. Um, the PTAC from what I'm reading might be slightly cheaper, but the installation could be more. Um, so I'll talk about that in a little bit cause the unit's pretty heavy. Um, efficiency wise from what I've researched PTAC, you're looking at basically 12 sears, like the highest you can go, but many splits are rated much higher and are extremely efficient installation. The PTAC needs far bigger holes and a lot more support because it's heavy. Uh, many splits are fairly light. They just require a small hole and it shouldn't be too difficult to mount them uh, into the interior space. Cost with installation, I don't know for sure. You're going to have to get quotes on this to get, you know, actual bottom bottom line numbers. Uh, but the mini split should be cheaper from what from what I've been reading. And operation-wise, mini splits are very quiet. If you've ever stayed in a hotel, you can answer the question of whether PTACs <laughs> are quiet or loud. <laughs> it is nice if you like white noise, though, which, which we like. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I can dig it for that reason. Um, so overall, I can't really see a good case. For, for installing a PTAC if you're doing a, a new setup like this. Um, I think mini splits are great, and I, that's the way I would recommend you go. So uh, that's about that. But, of course, you know, consult with a professional. Ask for more opinions. I'm not a professional in, the, in that industry. Um, just from my experience, they're fantastic. And everything I read seems pretty darn clear that the mini splits are going to be the way to go. Nice. Yes. Well, well thought out, well researched. That's how would talk first. Well, yeah, you know, I saw researched answer. I spent five minutes today. Okay. Uh, well, put, a, put a little bit of effort. Pretty into good. It. Thank you. Thank you guys. The one I was talking earlier or was it before the show? Uh, before the show. <laughs> Sorry. About to drink something. <laughs> good question. Very good question. Yeah. <laughs> when Matt was telling us about his, uh, the, all the expensive metal he's buying. I was like, oh, whatever. Anyway. Got better things to do than listen to this crap. ETAC. Yeah. Google. <laughs> exactly. All right, Matt, you're up. This next one is from Lee. He says, hey, guys, I love the show. My wife and I are looking at houses to buy. It seems like a theme today. Whoa, it's a real and estate in some show. of the homes, it looks like the best place my shop will be in the basement. The home we looked at recently has a slightly damp basement, and it made me wonder about waterproofing the walls from the inside. There seems to be a lot of uh, products to choose from. I was wondering if anyone had an experience with this and could recommend a good, affordable product to do this with. I did this in my first shop at my rental house property thing i use a product called uh water type i think mm -hmm. it's available at menards here locally but i'm pretty sure a lot of them do exactly the same thing it was just to give you an idea the basement was about 800 square feet or so and i used about eight or nine gallons of the stuff Jeez. um with two coats so the first coat just uh, one thing also he didn't like mention like what the wall is made out of but i'm gonna guess it's either concrete or something like a concrete block wall not like fieldstone right um, <laughs> it's just mud is that okay <laughs> oh yeah so that stuff the the concrete's really porous it really drinks it in and the idea is to basically the first coat you like slop it on the wall like 
you could use a roller like a half inch nap but the best way to put it on from my experience is to use like a giant like four or five inch giant like one inch by four inch brush and just like slop on the wall and just work it into the pores and let it just pull it in mm-hmm. and then another coat goes on top of it you can do without that with a roller because it have to be quite as thick it's more just to seal up the uh the rest of the pores on the surface and kind of smooth things out but that makes a huge difference in the amount of moisture that comes into the basement the other thing that you might want to consider as well is sealing the floor if you have a slab floor if that slab doesn't seal, it's going to be just dumping moisture into the air as well. So it's another place you can you know, re- remove some moisture coming into the home. And then, of course, if it's in a basement and it still has a little bit of dampness to it, just get yourself a dehumidifier and have that running down there. And that really helps as well. I always get nervous with stuff like that. Like, are, are there ever issues about like the moisture building up and because you're not allowing it to breathe? And escape, you know, behind you're not wick- the barrier. Yeah, behind you're not like the- wicking it away from the home. You're just letting it build up behind this new barrier that you've installed. And I always get nervous about it if that's the right thing to do. But I, again, I know nothing about this stuff. It's just kind of what my shop to. has it as well. I did the block walls in the shop and the floor mm-hmm. because it was the same exact thing. When I walked in there when I first bought it, it was so humid yeah. and so damp. And like when I was, the ridiculous thing was when I was putting on the, I was painting the walls. Um, when I was like in July and then at nighttime and there was moisture coming out of the wall and like ruined my paint job because it's water-based paint. The one <laughs> I was doing was water-based. So the paint was started to like flow. I'm like, what the hell? Weird. And it's because there's so much moisture coming out of the wall. The walls are uh, weeping. The walls are literally weeping. <laughs> was, was the paint, paint red? Job. Cause that would have been great. <laughs> I was going to say somebody, somebody uh, broke the uh, protection grid and released the ghosts into yeah. New York city again. Nice. <laughs> That's a big Twinkie. Uh, well to to back matt up that's the exact same thing i just did like behind the plywood in my Mm -hmm. shop is on the 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 back wall and the the left wall of the shop is all block center block so Mm -hmm. i bought the actually exact same thing and slopped it on there and you're right it (laughs) sucks it up man i went through a lot of that stuff oh yeah get it in there but you know i on one side of the shop because the uh the house is a split level, so the the window of my shop is actually at ground level. So there's a substantial a bit below uh, the ground level, and as the water and stuff flows, it was always an issue. Um, not a drop since then. So mm-hmm. it's it definitely does its job. Whether or not it's backing up behind there, I don't know. That's what dams are for, right? You'll find out eventually. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> nice uh, good deal well, we're, we're gonna mark this episode down and in 10 years from now if podcast still exists and you know yeah just be beamed directly into your brain at that point but <laughs> right we'll, we'll revisit this topic and direct, see how direct we, download yeah. all right so this next one comes to us from riley he says i'm new to woodworking and have only completed a few projects i am trying to make a four-cornered mitered frame but i'm having a lot of trouble I don't have a table saw, which is what I think would be easiest to cut miters on. However, I do have a track saw, sliding chop saw, and a few hand tools. Do you have any advice on how I can cut accurate miters with what I have? Hmm. Well, um, interestingly enough, uh, and this is obviously my bent towards hand tools, but um, I even when I had a table saw, I don't think I used the table saw very much. Uh, I always had problems with it, and I was like, well, if I made one of those cool mitering jigs, I think it would probably work. But I always fell back on my my chop saw because I could dial in the angles a little bit easier there. Um, and then I 
always ended up refining it a little bit using hand tools. So seeing as that's what he already has is a sliding chop saw. I mean, you certainly are going to have capacity for just about any frame you could think of mm. with a sliding saw. Um, you can certainly dial in your 45 degree angles and, and see how that works. Um, if you're, I mean, obviously four miters is always the tough part. You get those three that look great and you're like, all right, I'm doing great. And you go to that fourth corner and Damn it, something's <laughs> wrong. You know, you just have to kind of dial it in. So what I'm wondering is, is does your sliding chop saw have the ability to dial in an angle? Or um, a lot of times when you're talking 45s, there's that detent that kind of locks it in. And it can be difficult to move it, you know, a degree left or right. Some of them have the capability to micro adjust. But at the same time, some of them don't. And it can be a little difficult. But... If you've got a couple of hand tools, I don't know if that means a hand plane or not, but there is such a thing as a miter shooting board. And I know most of the folks that do like make professional frames, uh, well, a lot of them use the whole guillotine cutter type thing, which cuts a really smooth edge. But a lot of the folks that are doing this are doing that rough work with some sort of, whether it be the table saw or the chop saw, and then cleaning it up with a miter shooting board. So you have a, a sliding chop saw that you could create a, um, a, a shooting board. You could create like a 45 degree block that you could then screw down or glue down or recess into a dado, however, onto some sort of shooting board platform and put your, um, your plane on the chute and dial in those miters to get just the right fit rather than having to go out and buy a table saw. Um, you know, that might be, that might be an easier way to do this, but, is it really easier when you've got to go out and buy a table saw? <laughs> maybe, maybe easier to think I'm just going to go buy a tool, but not so much easier on, on the wallet there. So yeah. I definitely recommend looking up Google miter shooting board. You're going to find lots of examples out there. Um, and you know, adjusting a shooting board, uh, you know, can be just as simple as throwing blue tape on the face, <laughs> you know, which will bump <laughs> the board out, you know, a little bit. You can really, um, I hate keep, hate to keep using the word dial it in, but you can really tweak and finesse the angle that, that you're getting. So yeah. do you guys, you know, you both have table saws. Do you find that miters are easier to cut on table saw? Not for me. Yeah. I actually yeah, don't like them at the table saw. That, that was my experience too. I think if you've got a dedicated sled and your workpiece is not riding on the table itself, there, uh-huh. I think that's where you're going to get a uh, good success. I think when the workpiece, even if it's like, you know, clamped to a miter gauge, um, I don't like the feeling of that friction. And when the blade hits it, it just feels like it always wants to slide back. So you've got to have a good stop in place. And if the piece is too long, then you're going to exceed the capacity of whatever it is that you're, you're using as a jig. Um, for me, the, the chop saw is, is totally the way to go. And usually, usually you don't have any kind of micro adjustment ability there, but you just have to do the, the classic woodworker, you know, tap that you do, um, to try <laughs> a bit. to, yeah, tap a little this way, tap a little that way until you get it right. Um, because ultimately if he's doing a lot of this, he should have a miter saw that is locked down and, you know, glue that thing in place. If you have to, like once you get it perfect, I'm kidding, don't glue it. Uh, but once you get it locked in, it should be good to go, you know? And if you do have the backup of, you know, a shooting board just to make sure great. But if you're clamping the pieces in and you're using stops, there's really no reason you shouldn't be able to get that chop saw to, to do what it's supposed yeah. to do. I mean, you're going to get a clean cut. Assuming your blade is sharp and all that, you're going to get a clean glue ready cut yeah. uh, off the chop saw. Um, the, the, the micro adjust thing, I don't know what it's meant to actually adjust, but I think a lot of the, some of the saws I've seen have it like as a setup measure. Mm-hmm. 
you know, if it comes from the factory and it's not quite at 45, yeah, you can for, tweak that, calibration. that detent. Yeah, calibration, that's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, just like my my planer has, you know, you just loosen some bolts and move some things around in order to get the table parallel. Sure. You know, you're talking minor adjustments. So, yeah, um, I should be clear in that. Yeah. I don't think, yeah, I think you're right. There isn't a, a chop saw out there. That's the point of the detents, right? Why would you want to adjust that? <laughs> well, the idea, yeah, you lock it in the 90, then everything else should be, should be correct. <laughs> Whether right. it is or not is a different story. But, uh, you know, maybe he's not clamping it in place. You know, so again, if you don't clamp it in place, you may have a little bit of, you know, the piece moving around a little bit and that's going to affect the the quality overall. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the real reason I say that there's always an option beyond there is I had a, a miter, a miter saw that, um, I just could not get it. I couldn't get it to clut, to clut, to cut <laughs> plumb. Um, my cuts were not vertically square. Oh, okay. Um, and there was nothing and it wasn't a, a compound. It didn't have a bevel setting on it at all. It was 90 oh. degrees. And no matter what I did, I could not get it to cut Ugh. right. I could get the angles right, but the plumbness, the verticality of the cut was just never right. And it was, a, I mean, you get what you pay for. It was a cheap craftsman saw. I know that craftsman probably makes much nicer versions of that. But um, to me, it was just so much easier rather than futzing around with that to just take it over to the shooting board. And obviously, I'm yeah. slightly hand tool biased. So Sure. Yeah. Cool. I think that's uh, that's about it, guys. I think that's a show. Woo. I agree. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you like what you hear, you can support us, help us keep doing the show. Uh, go to woodtalkshow.com, look for the donation links in the side column, and uh, you can do a one-time donation or a recurring donation, whatever you like. Go to twwstore.com and take a look at the Wood Talk t-shirts over there. Those are really nice. You can pick one up. And um, what else? iTunes. You want to go to iTunes and leave us a review? That's something that helps our ratings go up and other people can find us and listen to the three of us yap at them for an hour a week. <laughs> Uh, you give us a five-star rating and I don't have anyone to read here. We're running a little long, so we'll just, uh, push right through to the contact info and let them know how they can get in touch with us. Shannon. Okay. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can send them to us via voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk online. You can call us at the phone at 623-242-5180. The telephone. Or <laughs> that phone thing. <laughs> Um, you can use our fancy contact form. That's at woodtalkshow.com slash contact or go to our website at woodtalkshow.com. Leave a comment on this episode. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, and what we start all your comments with. You should do this. <laughs> you should or, have done this. You should have done this. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we revel in those comments. So. <laughs> and then, of course, you can go to woodwhisper.com, renaissancewoodworker.com, and macromona.com or thewoodwhisper.com. Whichever one. one. I eventually got that guy to give me the the woodwhisper.com for like a couple hundred bucks. All the cool kids go to the woodwhisper because we were there when the whole thing started. That's the original. That really (laughs) is. We don't know to not type the the at the beginning. (laughs) Right. If you're one of the cool kids, go to thewoodwhisper.com. Don't go to therenaissancewoodworker.com. You'll see dragons and weird stuff. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what's at that at themacromona.com. Macromon.com. Well, Matt, nice. Matt bought that. It's just a That's redirect, right. right? That's right. You did. Yes. I'm Thanks to there. you. Spending my money for me. Hold on. I'm going there. Let me just make sure it works. Matt Cremona. So. Yep. There you go. Well done, Hey. You know what happens stuff. if you go to mycremona.com? Mycremona. Like every week is going to be like a new, a new domain purchase. <laughs> you got to buy some new <laughs> domains. Uh, it cannot be found. Oh, boy. Right, let's Ooh. go to... Uh, let's see if it's available. Continue to car. Oh, it's loading. Hold on. Hold on. Dude! $2.99! Go get it! 
<laughs> it's available. Buy it. It says right here. Buy it before someone else does. Or Mark can buy it right now and sell it to you for 10 bucks. Hold on, hold on. Oh. Yeah, it'll be a couple hundred bucks tomorrow. Flip the domain. Your stock's going up by the by the minute here. <laughs> Just don't buy it from GoDaddy. They suck. Nice. Uh, all if right. you haven't stopped listening to this episode by now, we're terribly sorry. You yeah. should have stopped. Just, yeah, should have should have pinched it off a while ago. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, <laughs> and we will catch you next time. See you bye. Bye-bye. Hey bye. Brought to you by mycremona.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.